0: Everybody, this is Josh. Welcome to the Mayfair Theater podcast. I am joined by our head programmer, Lee Demar.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Lee's just come back from a doctor's appointment where he gave a lot of blood. So if yep. he passes out halfway through, we'll stop and <laughs> my head might hit the microphone. Give you some orange juice and cookies. <laughs> I donated blood at San Diego Comic Con years back, and it was genius because there's tens of thousands of nerds there. So what they did is they had a special promotion where if you donated blood. You got a Buffy the Vampire Slayer limited edition action figure.
1: Oh, my God. You gave blood for that reason, didn't you? Yes, (laughs) sir.
0: And then there was like, you know, if you weren't the first 5,000, then they had other stuff. So I did that two years in a row. The second year, they looked at my chart. They looked at whatever my blood type was. And they were like, oh, we're really low on this. And you're a young, healthy person. Would you mind doing this thing? And I totally forgot what it was. But it was basically... They take more blood. They do something Mm -hmm. fancy. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't care. And so they did it. And it's one of those things where you don't realize in the heat of the moment. But I was just sitting there. I thought everything was fine. And then my eyes locked with one of the nurses. And I saw her go like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And evidently I was about to pass out. I was like going pale because I hadn't eaten enough that morning or whatever right. but then everything was fine but then I think they felt bad so they gave me this like giant bag filled with hardcover comic books and things like oh we're sorry we almost killed you here take a bunch of stuff gave me like a bag of cookies and a liter of orange it was juice worth it. and I walked back and they're like where'd you get all this stuff and I'm like oh they screwed up taking my blood and so they gave me
1: all <laughs> this that was worthwhile I passed out once when I was young so every time I give blood I warn the nurse that I'm a big guy and I know right. that the myth <laughs> is the bigger they are the bigger they are and I said that's me so after I did it I went to get a shawarma yes because I was starving the the Arabic man who made my sandwich told me that where he comes from it's healthy to give blood to let blood out that you could go to the doctor and they'll cut a small part of your back or in your arms oh. you let blood out he, he, he explained it like if you have a jug full of water and you, you make and you shake it it's just doesn't move but if you let it a little bit out you can really mix it up and shake it and he's like it's good it's good for the body to have to let a little bit out maybe once or twice a year right and i was like whoa he, he actually made me think that i should be doing this more often yes yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a part of that culture. I've seen pictures.
0: It sounds familiar, yeah.
1: You know, like, you know where they put the jars on your back? Yes. And you bleed into those, and uh, I just never knew it was, it was a thing for health. It all made sense to me. I asked for extra garlic and yes. <laughs> <laughs> and went on my merry way and learned a little bit about, you know, the idea of you know, bloodletting isn't so bad.
0: Yeah, it's something like I mean to do more of donating blood, but every once in a while, they'll... There's not enough comic books in the world for you. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll send me an email, and it, but it will have been within X amount of time since I got a tattoo. Like, you can't do it six oh, months really? afterwards or something like that. So When's get... the last time you got a tattoo? Uh, about a year and a half. No, oh, a little over a year. There's nothing left. No, yeah. I'm getting another little tattoo stuff done this month, though, so I think maybe before Where? I do that. I'm getting a little Charlie Brown stripe on my arm, mm-hmm. and I'm getting the key from Goonies, the pirate key. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure where, either on my back or maybe on the back of my legs, so people can actually see it. More nerd stuff, right? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, my arms are full, pretty much, but
1: right. You should get the Sweet Sweetbacks Badass yes. <laughs>
0: song poster on your back. I didn't even notice when we walked in, but I was teasing the managers for like a month saying, I want the whole thing on the marquee. I want, yeah. I want the whole well, thing. Well, someone
1: tweeted it last night or
0: something. Maybe they did. Someone
1: it. was really impressed that the whole title was up there.
0: Oh, that's great. Cool. Yeah, because it would fit. It just means you have to like kind of not put on the matinees or do whatever like that. Mm-hmm. but and put on all five S's and two A's. and
1: Get it right. Yes, don't yeah, mess five it Five S's. Sometimes I'm... we've had the censor titles that have gone up, but yes. that is in context. That title's in context, so you can put the word ass on the
0: marquee. Oh, okay,
1: yeah. I tell my kids all the time, you can swear in context if you're quoting a song or a movie. Yes. Or if you get shot, you can say the S word. But otherwise, you can't just That's... swear.
0: <laughs> it's so funny language, because I was watching... Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy were on Colbert recently, mm-hmm. within the last few months, plugging their CBC show, Shit's Creek. So, hmm. same thing as that. If Eugene Levy said it, the compromise was the logo had to go on screen. Mm-hmm. If he just said, Oh shit, that would get bleeped. If he said, right. watch Shit's Creek on Netflix and CBC. It's fine. So weird. So weird how yeah. like the exact same thing. is bizarre to me that how language, or like even in ratings where What's the rule? Is it like one F-bomb? Is it What goes from like PG to 14? Oh, to... it used to be one.
1: It, it, it was in the 70s. Woody Allen's Manhattan
0: is an R-rated film because Diane Keaton
1: says the F-word once in the film.
0: That's so crazy. And that's
1: it. There's only one F-word in that movie. There's no nudity. There's no violence. The only thing is that she says F-word once, and that's R-rated. Boom. Isn't that crazy, then the Neon Demon comes out, and there's Necophilia, and that's Necophilia <laughs> close up Necrophilia in that movie, and that's 14A in Canada. Things have
0: changed for sure. You, <laughs> you watch movies that were rated R now, even like kind of famous ones like Friday the 13th or something, mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, that's not so bad, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's not so difficult. Yeah,
1: but you're also 37 yeah. now. How
0: <laughs> old Yeah, we're, we're all older. And you remember when a swear word happens in a movie just once, you can see it. Like, oh, that's theirs. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of work their way around it. They can't mm-hmm. do it anymore. But even like lately in, you know, Star Wars or Marvel movies, languages changed because they can say ass or son they of a say, bitch yeah. or something like that.
1: Last Jedi was the first time there was a swear word in Star Wars. Max pointed it out to me. Yeah. And Poe <laughs> Dameron says, that's a big ass door. <laughs> and I think there's an ass. Oh, yeah. Lando almost says shit in Solo. In Solo. Yeah. I should have said poodoo but he said uh, yeah. as they're flying through the maelstrom."
0: So that's what I wanted to kind of talk about today too because we have both seen Solo and it's kind of in the news a lot because it's not going to make a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I it really didn't, it liked
1: did, it. it. It didn't break records. And that's no. It's a disappointment because it
0: didn't break records. Yeah, it's like number one for three weeks in a row. And mm-hmm. What's so funny when I saw it, and I was joking last week on the podcast, I was like, don't tell the Mayfair I'm going to see a movie somewhere <laughs> else tonight, is that there was people in front of me just kind of two normal, non-nerdy-looking folks. And they were like, wow, that was really good, I really like that. And they said, I wonder why they released it so fast. Yeah. So that seems to be the common thing, despite living in a world where we get two or three Marvel movies a year, maybe they got cocky if they would've just released in December, we wouldn't even. No eat, one really you know.
1: knows why it underperformed, even though it's, Ron Howard put it best. Yeah. He tweeted, it's like, this is by far the biggest film I've ever released. Right. Like, it's made more money than any other film I've ever made, and I'm an Oscar-winning filmmaker. No one really knows, although the Wall Street Journal recently did a survey and tried to figure out why Star Wars didn't perform as well as his Last Jedi or Force Awakens or even Rogue One. Was it because it was too soon? Was it because, you know, people split decision on Last Jedi? It turned out, according to the Wall Street Journal, bad marketing on the part of Disney. Now, Lucasfilm makes these movies, passes it off to Disney, and Disney goes to town. And I kind of agree with it to some some extent. You know, my favorite thing about when a new Star Wars movie comes out is all the collectibles. Go to Walmart, there's nothing. They've got nothing. And then there's... I've got all these... You know, when you go see uh, Rogue One or Last Jedi or Force Awakens, you you can get these cups at the cinema uh, with the the characters on. There was none of that. The movie just kind of... Disney kind of should shit it out. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think they got
0: cocky. I think they were just like, whatever we do is going to make a billion dollars.
1: Or this is a big experiment. Yeah. They knew, they just wanted to see what happens.
0: And you look how, I've said this before here on the podcast, but we're just, we're packed. There's so many movies being released. Mm. The average person does not go to four or five movies a month. A year. A year. So if that average person had already seen... Avengers or Black Panther I a couple imagine. weeks before, they're like, "Well, I'm too busy." Yeah, and it's funny. I was listening to a podcast, a Star Trek podcast, and they do they're doing every Next Generation episode. And mm-hmm. during the episode, they will say this week in Star Trek history. So they'll say, "We're doing an episode from November 1990 or May 1990." And that week, Paula Abdul was the number one song, and Stephen King was the number one book, and this sports team did this, and the number one movie was whatever. And they did one recently where they said. In its, I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, in its eighth week, Driving Miss Daisy became the number one film. It was not the number one film weeks one through seven. Mm. In its eighth week, it won a couple Oscars and went to number one. So that means in the early 90s, a movie could hang around in theaters for eight weeks and not be considered a flop. Mm -hmm. In its eighth week, become number one. And I I believe that was a successful film in terms of, by today's standards, probably made like $200 million. That doesn't happen anymore, where a movie comes out, day one it's all about the first weekend and it's a flopper or not right, right. away mm-hmm. I can't even think of the last movie it might have been Titanic where I remember I remember it came out and made 20 million dollars and people went oh my god and then week two three four five it kept making money yeah and that might have been the last time that happened for a big movie I
1: remember when Roger Rabbit was at the, opened it kind of went up to number one and then went down and went back up to number one and it it kept climbing out of the top ten and then going right back up to the top it kind of like in waves and that's I've never seen that kind of performance in a box office movie before it's kind of sad when everything is reliant on one
0: week I'd rather
1: the days when it's stuck around all summer long
0: nothing has the same cultural footprint now and even a movie like a Harry Potter or an Avengers will make a billion dollars But a couple months later, you don't see lunchboxes or Halloween costumes Mm. or something. So they've made a lot of money, but it kind of just, it's like a snap and it's gone. And I find that really interesting where, like, I remember newspapers from when I was a kid. And it would be E.T. and it would have a little scrawl on it saying, it's 32nd week. Mm -hmm. And that never happens anymore Mm -hmm. of something sticking around.
1: And it'll never happen again. Never, no, yeah. It's done. Because now they know
0: that they're going to hit Blu-ray or Netflix at a certain point. And they've already had trouble with that where something, I think it was like a pirate movie years ago where it was hitting Blu-ray and they are like, we're still making money in the theater. Can't we delay this? Everywhere I go, people know my... Like, I'm the Star Wars man. <laughs> right, That's mm-hmm. my
1: nickname. And by the way, Star Wars isn't my favorite movie ever. <laughs> to
0: be fair, you're wearing a Grand Admiral <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Throne shirt right
1: now. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, my son and I love it together, and it's it's a really fun time in my life to be loving Star Wars right now yeah. because I'm... Uh, you know my whole family and I are fixated on it a little bit so I went to the gym and I was leaving the gym and the guy at the door said oh did you see Solo and I said at the time yeah five times yeah (laughs) and he asked me what I thought and I gushed about it for a long time Went on and on and on about it. And, and this is like 11.30 at night. Yeah. And he said, okay, maybe I'll go see it tonight. I'll go. I'll watch it tonight. He said, I'll watch it tonight. Oh. And I was like, what do you mean? It's 11.30. There's no screenings after 11. He's like, no, no, I'll go home and stream it. And I'm no. like, no, no, please don't. I'll drive you to the movie theater tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then my neighbor said the same thing to me. That they were gonna go, yeah, he was gonna go download it or something. Yeah. And I said, no, no, dude, I'll pick you. Tell me when you want to go. I'll pick you up. I'll drive to the theater. I don't have to sit with you. Don't do yourself a favor. And and then and, and I really don't like people's opinions when they when I find out they've. Down- yeah. I always say to people now when they say it. I saw. You know, blank last night. I always ask the first question, where did you see it? And it's not because we're affiliated with the Mayfair, and it's a business yeah. thing. It's in my head. I want to know. I'm interested to know where you saw it, and it doesn't matter to you at all whether it's on the big screen or not.
0: Well, I like it when people take pride in participating in something that means something to them. And if you're stealing a movie online, the number one excuse those people will make is, oh, Star Wars doesn't need my money. Mm-hmm. But I always counter with, solo well... Solo 2 needs your money. Solo, yeah. <laughs> but if you're doing that, it probably means you're doing it with whatever. I like this Kickstarter world we're in where a band you like, a filmmaker you like, a, a comic toy book... toy you like. A toy you like <laughs> can, mm-hmm. can come to be because you've chipped in a dollar or five or whatever. I participated in the Mystery Science Theater Kickstarter a couple years back, yeah. which ended up being enormous. But what has happened in the aftermath of that is they got... A Netflix season out of it They have a second Netflix season happening They're doing their Second live tour This fall coming up And they've been Really great about Keeping people in the loop Little updates Here's some more free Digital content mm-hmm. Here's what we're doing next Do you want some more shirts Which ones do you want And I like that world Because anybody Could go on YouTube Or illegally download Mystery Science Theaters mm-hmm. But that the fans Made the new show happen mm-hmm. So yeah Every time people Steal stuff online I'm like, just like Well if you like that Go to the movie. And I think our Mayfair patrons are good for that, whether it be something a bit more mainstream or something a bit more, you know, grown-up movie, something something like with uh, Sir Ronan in it, The Seagull. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably not a lot of those folks stealing that movie no. online, but they come and we program more we movies like that. can't
1: download that movie. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thankfully, the, the, for the most part, only the big movies are being yeah. streamed. They're out there right now, and that's not going to hurt us. There is exceptions, but... For the most part, people are downloading Black Panther and Infinity War and Star Wars and, and ignoring the Pope Francis documentary.
0: It was a couple years ago when we screened, I think it was John Dies at the End. Something like that. It was some, something yeah. that was out on Blu-ray by the time mm-hmm. we had it. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy to see on our social media, on Twitter or Facebook, people saying, there was one guy who said, I got the Blu-ray in the mail today. Away. And I'm so excited to go see it at the Mayfair tonight mm-hmm. because they want to come see it on the big screen. And you and I, or folks who work at the Mayfair, I wouldn't say jaded, but we get a bit used to we watch a lot of movies. But some people that thought of, oh, I'm going to watch Taxi Driver, I'm going to watch Goodfellas, we off the record could kind of do that for a birthday screening. We could, you know, do that. Most people don't get that chance. So I appreciate it so much when people come out and it means something to them, to see something on the big screen. Because you don't want to see Solo on the small screen for the first time, or like Lawrence of Arabia. Or... <laughs> Those
1: movies aren't built for the small screen. They're built for a big auditorium, yeah, a communal experience with the sound. I mean, Matthew Wood is the greatest yeah. sound editor in Hollywood. Do yourself a favor and enjoy every ounce of his expertise.
0: I think history will be kind to Solo, but I, I, I think it's just that there's too many movies... And there might be somebody going like, oh, yeah, I want to see Solo, but I'm going to see it next month. And then they've, you And know, a lot of it,
1: too, the people didn't want to see anyone else play the character of Han Solo other, right. than, other than Harrison Ford. It took James Bond. It took Roger Moore three movies before he found a hit. Spire, okay, yeah. Spire Love Me was huge. But before that, Live and Let Die and what's the second one? Uh, the, the Man with the Golden Gun. They weren't big hits. Right. Because people still thought Sean Connery was James Bond. And then, the, you know. I'm like, oh, they warmed up to Roger Moore. And so if Roger Moore can pull it off, if Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan... Yeah. And, and what's this new guy? Daniel Craig can pull it off. Well, then Hayden, and I don't even know how to say his last name, well, Wright can do, do hunts, And he's great at his own solo. I was
0: really opposed to the thought of such things a few years ago. And I know it's not everyone's favorite movie, but what really won me over was J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Oh, right. You know, when you think of Captain Kirk, it's William Shatner. Whereas, say, Batman you could be michael keaton or adam west or the cartoon or super friends or whatever you know but i was really opposed to it and then that movie won me over and i thought Mm -hmm. that chris pine and and zachary quinto and everyone else did a good job carl urban especially i really liked. but then there's harrison ford yeah Yeah. and that makes me wonder what they'll do because you know they want they don't want to sit on these properties they want to make money off these properties Mm. and will we have a chris pratt playing indiana jones movie Well, not as long
1: as Steven Spielberg's alive, it sounds like. Right. Because the next one is Harrison Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. It sounds like Steven Spielberg's going to go to the grave with Harrison Ford being Indiana Jones and Robert Zemeckis is going to go to the grave knowing there'll never be a Back to the Future (laughs) 4 because they're really pushing for it at Universal and he's dead set against it and you know what, Solo and Ghostbusters Solo reminds me a lot of Ghostbusters you know, here's that film that fans really didn't want I wanted it, and I'm glad I got it and I I tell everyone to go see it not only because it's a Star Wars film, but I don't know my favorite thing has always been action cinema and Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan's stunt team leader, Brad Allen Directed all the second unit on Solo and did all the action. It's it's, it's so nice to see Jackie Chan's footprints yeah. in a Star Wars film. <laughs> I thought the the action direction was it was stellar and the coverage and the editing of the those scenes. So yeah, that's I like it for more than just a Star Wars movie.
0: And people are some people are panicking, but I'm like, oh. you look at a franchise and to Star Trek again. Star Trek Five was both a critical and fan flop. And then Star Trek VI came out a few years later, and I think is really great. And so there's...
1: Yeah, there's a trailer before Solo... For a Harry Potter thing. Yes. The Wizarding War. Fantastic Beasts. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like,
1: that made me think of where Solo is. It's like, okay, there's a trailer for a movie that's only for the fans. Only Harry Potter fans are going to go see that. It's not for anyone else. And it's okay for Star Wars to go down that route with some of its movies. Yeah. It's okay. I actually think Star Wars will be more interesting if it wasn't always number one at the box office. Well, we were saying, they can make their own kind of movies. Lower budgets. Yeah.
0: Like, you look at some movie. I can't think of the example, but I've seen a couple sci-fi movies in the last couple years that weren't $200 million budgets, that still look great, that still had mm-hmm. effects in it, that still had cool things. So imagine if Solo cost $50 million. Mm-hmm. Everything would be fine right mm-hmm. now. You know. And, and then
1: when well, Lucasfilm definitely has that in their wheelhouse. You know, I don't know why they're spending money on special effects and sound mixing yeah. when that's all in-house. You know, you don't need a, a cast... No. those movies and Kenny though is a great showman and they're spending a lot of money on the sets right and shooting the films. Everything else is mostly just green screen. Yeah. And they just pointing the camera and plopping everything in front of the camera digitally. Where in Star Wars, like if you think of the train sequence, you know, the, the when the trains Tilt on the rail. They had to build sets crazy. that tilted, and they had the actors balance themselves yeah, yeah, on yeah. that side. So it's it's insane how big the sets were too for bomb and these small scenes. And yeah, I would love to see Lucasfilm start trying to make the smaller yeah. budgeted movies and smaller stories, like you know, *The Job of the Hut Gangster* movie by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. would right up right my oh alley. My <laughs> so let Episode Nine kind of come and yeah. go out of its way. And then Lucasfilm doesn't have to be number one in the box. Obviously, can do more interesting things.
0: Yeah, and still be profitable mm-hmm. and just spend less money.
1: The Star Wars Celebration series is making money. Solo did nothing to the Star Wars Celebration. No, sure. I bought my tickets last night. I finally figured out Twitter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Twitter, it said, it said oh, that's the, the five-day passes are almost sold out. And I'm glad I got them last night because today they are sold out. They've sold out of, like, mostly... It's oh, not yeah. for a year, and they've sold out mostly everything on... The, on the, for that and the
0: commission. Blu-ray will sell, and, you know, it'll be fine.
1: Yeah, by the time it comes out on Blu-ray, it'll be it'll it'll be, it'll be a profitable movie. Yeah. And that'll be all green.
0: Okay, let's chat before we leave about the movie screening from June 8th through the 14th, 2018. We have a nice, diverse batch of films this week. Seagull is back for a second week. It's our highbrow offering this week. <laughs> then we have two documentaries... Pope Francis, A Man of His Word, and RBG. Both look really interesting. I'm not religious at all, but this Pope movie looks very Vin interesting. Benders directed it.
1: Yes. I, I actually thought to myself, before considering the programming, I thought to myself, okay, it's a, a movie about Pope Francis, so only Catholics are going to come. Right. And then it's directed by the inventors. I'm like, okay, so yeah. people who like movies should come.
0: And RBG is a, I guess you would call it a political documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm-hmm. who's someone in the public eye for decades. And this is, I, I guess, it, is this like her retirement documentary? It must She's like 84, so she mm-hmm. must be on her way out sooner or later. But that's been getting a lot of buzz. Big mm-hmm. kind of festival darling of a film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then we have the Ottawa premiere of Black Cop. Which Apparently comes, that's excellent. Yes. It was at TIFF. It won a whole bunch of awards. I listed them on our website. You can take a look. But mm-hmm. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, a bunch of places won Best Canadian Feature and Actor and stuff like that. Kind of funny that by happenstance it comes on the heels of Sweet Sweet Back yeah. and before... Ganja and Hess so it's like we have a kind of a little mini exploitation <laughs> festival going there somebody emailed me and was asking about oh I'm coming with a big group and want to get seats together because my brother's in the movie or something for black cop for black cop and I told them, I said, You'll be fine, you know, show up half an hour before, I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll get seats together, but so we might have some friends and family of the what crew. Night are they or, coming? I'm not sure. They said they were gonna come while we have it. But that happened cool. before with a couple movies where like an uncle or aunt coming are mm-hmm. like, Can I have the poster? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. But yeah, so Black Cop is our Ottawa premiere and then Goodfellas continuing our Scorsese De Niro film festival that I think when you programmed in your brain was a Scorsese film festival, and then we went, oh, wait, they're all De Niro films as
1: well. (laughs) We (laughs) should have (laughs) shown Meet the Fockers. Yeah,
0: and Goodfellas, you know, came out in 1990. Funny, kind of like with Raging Bull, came out in 1980. So it came out right at the start of the decade, but I think a lot of people consider it the best film of the 90s. It's
1: it's considered that the best film of the 70s is Taxi Driver, the best film of the 80s. American film is, is right. a *Raging Bull*, and the best American film of the '90s is *Goodfellas*. Goodfellas like three yeah. years, three decades running, Stanley, Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> Martin Scorsese uh, claimed that success. I mean, that's according to critics. That's right, not, has nothing. That's not a mathematical fact. <laughs> yeah,
0: I remember watching *Goodfellas* when I was younger, side in the theater. Don't remember where, but I remember having like, "Oh, this is a movie. Like, yeah. this, this is what a movie should be." You know? I, I
1: yeah, I was at grade eleven. And I remember coming in the school and telling my homeroom teacher how much I liked it. And I told him about a shot, a specific shot in the movie, that he made me. The bell rang, and he's like, I want you to draw that shot on the board and explain why it's good to the class. Oh, cool. And it was really fun. So I drew the frame. It was when Robert De Niro was trying to tell... Um, I forget the actress's name, but she's married to Ray Liotta's character in the movie. Okay, yeah, and He's yeah. telling her to go pick something up. Just go down there. Just go down that alleyway. But she doesn't want to go to the alleyway because she thinks she's going to get knocked off by Robert De Niro and his cronies. And the camera's way back, and it kind of dollies up a little bit. And there's a one-way sign pointing down the alleyway where she's being asked to go down. There's no cuts. And then the further it pulls back, then there's a don't walk sign over the one-way sign. So there's these two signs telling her...
0: Okay, conflicting yeah.
1: her mind, should I go or not? And she just runs off. There's a very similar shot in Taxi Driver when Iris, played by Jodie Foster, gets in the cab and Harvey is trying to pull her out and Robert De Niro looks in the rearview mirror to see what's going on and beside the rearview mirror there's a one-way sign pointed out of the cab Oh yeah. for her to go. And I'm like, ah, good fellas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's something I always point to as well because... You know, many of my favorite films were never nominated for Oscars, and there's all kinds of stories about certain actors or directors who never got an Oscar. It doesn't mean that they're a failure. And, yeah, no, it does. Yeah, <laughs> but Goodfellas. So you look, you're at, a failure because you don't have an Oscar. No, man. we have some at the bank right now. Yeah, I'm waiting for my lifetime achievement award. These four films that were screening: Cape Fear, Casino, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Those four films have one Oscar win. And that's for Joe Pesci for best supporting actor. The year of Goodfellas, Dances with Wolves. Ooh. One best picture. Katanka, Katanka. And I don't think anybody would look at that. I'm sure somebody would. You should show it and see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> I remember seeing that when I was a kid and being like, Oh, this movie makes me uncomfortable. There's too many white people in this movie. <laughs> like, I, I yeah, don't I've know. only
1: saw. It, I think I've only seen it bring it in the yeah. in the theater. I don't yeah, I have seen it since.
0: But that's an example of at the time mm-hmm. that one best picture and history looking back on that being what beat Goodfellas? Yeah. Well, you know? what
1: beat 2001: A Space Odyssey? I don't know. Oliver, Oliver. Or oh yeah? Or, yeah? Uh, yeah, Oliver? yeah, yeah, Oliver Oliver, Oliver, Olivier, is the yeah, that Jessica <laughs> Holland film. Oliver.
0: But yeah, so but Goodfellas on the big screen is. Like I said, that's a movie. That's a movie you want to see. Then we have a couple of special presentations, a couple rentals, one called Bike Beyond, and a couple short films, Eternity and the Mandela Effect. But then we have our 106th consecutive month screening, The Room. Something funny happened
1: about The Room today. Okay. Or actually this week ok so when I Mondays all the films are booked and I send a list of the bookings off to CCDI the Canadian Cinema Distribution Company right. who sends us the films so they used to send us 35 millimeter prints on a Thursday now they sell them these little hard drives and every movie is on the hard drive and so before they send them to us CCDI has to confirm with each studio that the booking is confirmed. So before they send us a DCP for Goodfellas, they contact Warner Brothers to make sure it's confirmed with the Mayfair, then they put it on the truck to come to us. So this week, I got an email because Elevation Pictures wouldn't allow Room to get on the CCDI truck because we had no confirmated booking with the Room. Now, not The Room, but Room, room. Was that Oscar-winner <laughs> film from three years ago, two or three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That, when, that, when that movie came out... Everyone was confused about the room and the room, room and the room. Anyway, it's funny that two years later, I got an email from CCDI. I said like, okay, Lee, who's distributing the room in Canada? Right. And I said, well, Tommy was always distributing his own film. He has it rated in Ontario, so there's nothing, nothing wrong there. But uh, it's not a studio. <laughs> and, and I jokingly said, you know... The Room might have won all the Oscars, but uh, three years later, no one's showing that. And the room, will, the room will always live long.
0: I don't think we managed to get them both on the same marquee at the same time. Oh, I thought or did we did. We? Thought was we... it like Room at 7 and The it Room It sounds at like 11? something you would
1: have posted on a Twitter Yeah, though.
0: I remember being very excited about that. But I remember <laughs> people, despite everything on social media and a paper flyer and, mm. and posters in-house, I remember working a shift where Room was on at like 4 on yeah. a Saturday. And there were people coming in thinking it was The Room. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, you really think we're going to show The Room for the matinee? You know, like, that's weird. Or I remember, like, a lady, an older lady looking at the flyer and being like, oh, you're showing Room at 1130 on Saturday? And we're like, no, no, that's a different movie. We're not showing the Oscar favorite Room at 1130 p.m. on a Saturday. It's a different movie.
1: What's a the? The is a preposition?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, it's yeah. funny.
1: What the preposition in, in in that title makes all the difference. In oh the yeah. World. F- one without the preposition is an Oscar winning film. With the preposition, it's one of the worst films ever
0: made. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm fascinated how movies can have the same title and there's like copyright doesn't get in the way unless it's like Star Wars or Batman. Because when I was looking up Tully to find a poster, there's a movie from like I think 2000 or mm-hmm. so called Tully. Yeah, and, the Teletubbies. <laughs> no, no, just Tully. And uh, Anson Mount is in it. He was in a really good Western recently called Hell on Wheels, a TV show. And uh, a young lady named Nicholson. And I don't know if she's any relation. I forget her name. Mm-hmm. And it's like a romantic drama. But it's just called Tully. The exact same word. And you think when new Tully came up to be, somebody might have been like, oh, there's another movie. This will be confusing. Can we change the character's name? But evidently not. So now we have two movies called Tully. One you in went- 2000, one in 2018.
1: You know what question I get twice a day?
0: Yeah. At least
1: for the last two or three weeks, is Donald Glover related to Danny Glover? Yeah. <laughs> I know so many racists. Yeah. No, they're not related. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, Everyone that's, thinks that. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were related. Why? Because they're both black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, and even Donald Glover thinks it's hilarious. He he gets asked in interviews.
0: I remember Donald Glover on Craig Ferguson years ago when he was doing Community. And he said he had a Twitter feed called D Glover or something. And he had to change it because everyone thought it was uh, Danny Glover's. Because uh, Danny Glover at the time was way more famous than he was. Yeah. Now, tides have turned a bit. and
1: Who's a Danny Glover? Yeah. <laughs> What's a Danny Glover?
0: Yeah, so that is all the movies we're screening this week. You can check our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our website for more updates of other fun stuff coming soon. As soon as we find out stuff, we put it online. Do we have any other The Room Or best friends news we can announce yet? Well,
1: I think the 3D film festival. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah, we've been saying that every
0: week. Do not miss that. Yeah, I I hope
1: people come to it. You know, maybe after we can have a 2D film festival. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Show 2D movies. I can't wait
0: for the 3D film festival. I'm coming to every damn one of those. Yeah, you know, (laughs) usually
1: when big things like that come down the pipe, I'd like to check in with you or you and say, Hey guys, do you think this is worthwhile? And I just thought, if I don't tell Josh, let's put a big smile on his face. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's going to be fun, yeah.
1: That's six 3D movies.
0: Well, and I said especially, I've seen Friday the 13th Part 3, of course, but Dynasty... And the Frankenstein movie, I'd never even heard of before. Right. And Star Chaser, which I should have heard of, because that's right when I would have been watching stuff like the He-Man animated movie and Transformers animated movie. I never heard of this thing before. So that's... uh, The Star Wars ripoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very looking forward to that. So, yeah, be sure to... That's the 15th, 16th, and 17th of June to come and clear your schedule and come see all of those movies. Mm -hmm. That'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, might never, ever happen again. So this could be a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance to see these... Fun films, 35mm style, with old school cardboard oh, yeah. glasses. It's
1: not. It'll never, you'll never have a chance to see these movies again. The guy who shot Friday the 13th, I think lives in Toronto, or he did, and he used to show that movie with test footage he took in Toronto. And he had like two-hour test footage. Cool. He was just walking around Toronto with 3D lenses on. Yeah. And He used to show it in Toronto to the, the crowd, and apparently it was great. I just don't know if he's around anymore. I would love to have invited him yeah, yeah. to show that stuff.
0: Yeah, so come see our 3D Fest, and if you come to the 9 o'clock shows on the Friday and the Saturday, you can just, if you're a member, just stick around and watch another free secret movie right after that. So That'll be super fun. Do you know what the secret movies are? I think you told me, but I wasn't sure if when you told me it was like 100% confirmed. Oh, they are now. Okay, well, when we turn this off, well, <laughs> people keep doing this. I've caught people. People are always very nice, but people will go on and be like, Hey, Twitter, I watched this at secret cinema last night. And I'll oh. go on and be like, hey, I appreciate you had a good time. Can you please take that down? Because this is what secret cinema is. Yeah. And they go, I'm sorry, and they take it down. But it's like, ah, oh, stupid social media has I made keeping secrets I thought, I, difficult. If, if
1: someone can guess what we're going to show, i yeah. power to them. Yeah. Sometimes people will walk in knowing what I'm showing based on something I would said a month before. Right. Like, that's impressive that yeah. <laughs> you remember a month later. Yeah.
0: So go visit our friends at House of Tiger Across the Street before you come see a movie. We will see you soon for the 3D Fest and a bunch of other cool things here at the Mayfair. Okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to come back and see Tully and Sweet Sweetback, a weird I'm double bill. Okay, thanks sweet for listening everybody. Bye.
2: Roger Moore is James Bond 007 in Ian Fleming's Live and Let Die. My name's Bond. James Bond. Names is for tombstones, baby. Waste him, now. James Bond is back, and wherever he drops in, it can mean only one thing. Trouble! This is the Bond adventure with more excitement, more action, more danger, and more. Much more. Roger Moore as James Bond 007. 007 is on a worldwide manhunt. The body count is going up. And where Bond stops to visit, he leaves his mark... ...on everything. They'll kill you. They will kill us. Love well, was lesson number two, togetherness.
0: Is that time before we leave, For lesson number three? Absolutely.
2: Be joined together because Bond is on the move. And if you miss this one, you'll miss the most exciting 007 adventure of them all.